All right, hello everybody. Um, today on the Jack Roberts Show, we have a very special guest. Um, we have Ambassador Christopher Landau on the show. Um, I'm very excited to ask him a few questions. Welcome, Ambassador Landau. Thanks, Jack. It's wonderful to be here. Nice to see you again. All right. Um, so my first question for you is, um, what was your childhood like with your father being a diplomat? So you're right. My dad was a diplomat, a career foreign service officer. I was born in Spain. Uh, and then we left when I was just a baby. So I really didn't learn any Spanish at that point. We moved to Canada for a year and then to uh, Washington, where my dad was in the State Department for six years. And then when I was eight years old, we moved to South America when my dad became ambassador to Paraguay. And my parents then stayed in South America for the next 13 straight years. And uh, they were there all the way through the time I graduated from college. And uh, for me, uh, growing up in that part of the world uh, was just an incredible experience growing up abroad. Uh, you know, the, the, first of all, you learn a language, uh, another language. Um, we, we were five years in Paraguay, which is a pretty uh, remote uh, country, not very well known in the United States, but a very family-friendly uh, country. Asuncion, the city I grew up in, had about half a million people. And we had a very tight-knit American community there. The embassy community was, was very uh, tight-knit. So there was all kinds of community events. And in a lot of ways, I think it was a, a more uh, friendly post than Mexico City, which where I just came from now, which is such a big city. It's the biggest city in North America, and, and there's so much going on. Uh, sometimes it's just like being in a small town versus the big city. There's a lot to be said for uh, growing up in a place where... Uh, they're just closer human connections. Um, and so for me, it was really a, a, a kind of a, a special treat growing up uh, abroad and, and just learning about other cultures and really living them. I think, you know, one of the things that made me effective as ambassador to Mexico was that I had a good frame of cultural references with Mexicans because I grew up watching a lot of TV shows that Mexicans of my day were watching at the time. And so, you know, I spoke the language pretty uh, colloquially. I speak it pretty colloquially. And I think that really just helped a lot. So I think it gives you a lot of uh, benefits to, to grow up uh, in, in a diplomatic family. There's also trade-offs. I mean, you have to move every few years. Um, as I said, I was lucky we were five years in one place in Paraguay. Uh, a lot of uh, families nowadays are moving every two or three years. That can be very disorienting, especially for the kids, and especially if you're moving between different parts of the world where there are different cultures and different languages, uh, and you don't have that much control over your your future and your life. You know, that's kind of the excitement of the Foreign Service, but it can also be the dark side. And I think it's hard on some uh, families. I think either kids uh, uh, turn out like me and kind of always have that wanderlust in them and just love to travel and, and experience different cultures, or they go the exact opposite route and never want to leave the United States again, put down uh, deep roots. Uh, but as you know, we, we, you know, we've been here in the Washington area for uh, a long time, many years uh, before moving to Mexico. Uh, you know, my kids really never knew any other house than the house that they uh, grew up in in Chevy Chase. And I thought it was a great opportunity to give them a little taste of, of the life I had growing up. And I think it was a real eye opener for them and just 
it helps you expand your horizons to see how other people live and think. And so, you know, it was uh, it was a great experience for me. Yeah, absolutely. What was it like going to school in a foreign country as a as a young kid? Yeah, again, it was a great experience. It has its challenges. Uh, I was lucky. There was actually a very good American school in Paraguay of all places. And so uh, about half my classes were in English and the other half were in Spanish. Uh, again, I think at, when you're that age, I was eight years old, you, you pick up a language so quickly or just like a sponge. And I don't even really remember learning Spanish. And I, I speak it to this day, 50 years later, uh, without an accent because I learned it as a kid. And uh, you know, so I had a, a mixture of friends at school. I'd say my closest friends were probably Americans. Uh, but, but you know, there, there was a good mix also of uh, Paraguayans at, at the school. And, um, you know, we, we had very good uh, teachers. So I actually was very lucky. I think, you know, just as states or any place, schools vary. And a little bit, it's the luck of the draw. Uh, you know, who you get as teachers and... Uh, but, but I felt I got a very good education down there, not only in kind of typical classroom learning, but again, in just kind of cultural learning and, and broadening your, your horizons. Yeah, absolutely. Was it all mostly American kids from the embassy at the school or were there any Paraguayan kids in the class? It was about half and half, which I think is actually a good yeah. mix. Because mm-hmm. uh, you you know if you, to be in American school, I think you sh- should have a critical mass of Americans. It's one of the challenges actually for the American school in Mexico City, mm-hmm. uh, which both of my own kids uh, attended for a semester at the beginning of last year. Uh, Nat was in his uh, last semester of senior year, and he still graduated from his school here in Washington. <clears throat> but we made arrangements for him to take kind of a semester abroad for his last semester. Unfortunately, the pandemic hit during the semester, but. You know, the, the, even though there's a lot more Americans in Mexico City than there are in places like Paraguay, um, the uh, American school in Mexico is, I'd say, more like 80% Mexican. And so wow. I think it, it, it loses its, its character as a, as a school that really feels American. I mean, mostly in the hallways you hear Spanish spoken. And mm-hmm. yeah. um, well, I, think, I think that 50-50 balance is probably somewhere ideal or maybe uh, a mix so you know when you have americans the host country people and people from third countries like other diplomatic kids but you know that's one of the the one of the things that that um nat actually noticed uh is that the uh, americans and the mexicans at this school were very segregated and you know after class the americans would be on this side of the playground or the the, you know the, the the blacktop and the mexicans on the other side and you know after a day or two he kind of walked across the blacktop from the Americans to go over to the Mexicans. He said, look, we're living in Mexico. You know, I, I've met Americans my whole life. I know plenty of Americans, but I really want to get to meet some Mexican kids and have some Mexican friends. And I think they really appreciated that gesture. And really, uh, I think he made some lifetime friends down there. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I had a similar experience at um, Cardigan Mountain School up in New Hampshire. We had a lot of students from Mexico and um, they at first were like all hanging out with their with their Mexican friends and like just speaking Spanish around each other. But then eventually like everyone just sort of like came together and we were all friends and you could hardly tell a di- tell the difference like because the friend groups were so integrated. It was it was really cool to see. That's great. Well, it's it's a real tradition in Mexico. I mean, I can't tell you how many people 
I met in Mexico, you know, successful people in Mexico who said, yeah, you know, I went to boarding school in the States, mm -hmm. sometimes just for a year, sometimes for, for, you know, all of high school, let's say. Uh, and, you know, it's one of the things that as ambassador, I tried to promote uh, educational exchanges between the countries, even though we're neighbors, uh, we're number 10 uh, both ways in terms of Mexicans studying in the United States and in terms of Americans studying in Mexico. Mm. Uh, you know, and and I, I think that we should definitely be in the top three for each other, given how, you know, how, how close we are and how integrated in a lot of ways our economies okay. and, and societies and cultures have become. So it was something that I worked hard to, to, to promote and to protect once the pandemic started to keep, you know, to make sure those students had visas to continue their studies. Absolutely, yeah. Um, what attracted you to practicing law? You know, uh, I, I actually thought originally that I wanted to follow my father's footsteps uh, in the Foreign Service. Again, as I said, I kind of caught the bug of, of liking yeah, abroad. And so that's where I thought I was going all through college. Um, I, I focused on um, Latin America. I got a certificate in Latin American studies. I took a lot of my courses in Spanish. And, um, you know, my dad really dissuaded me from going to the Foreign Service, at least right away. He said, and I think he was right, that it's good to get a professional degree so you always have that career or that skill set to fall back on. And um, so, you know, he encouraged me to go to law school to kind of learn critical thinking and, and uh, analysis. And, you know, I really enjoyed that. I, I enjoy the intellectual challenges of that. I enjoy the, the problem solving uh, nature of, of that. I think the law uh, is a, uh, you know, it's a very uh, challenging, intellectual and intellectually challenging mm. question that, that gave me a lot of uh, fulfillment and, and enjoyment. And, you know, it's nice to try to, you know, help people or companies or, you know, uh, any entity uh, achieve, uh, you know, be able to have their rights respected. And if something is done wrong to someone, uh, to, to help them out. And, uh, you know, I, I, I got a lot of pleasure on that from that. Mm -hmm. Um, while in your law career, did you prefer arguing in front of the court of, of appeals or the Supreme court? Yeah, I, as your kind of your question, uh, implies I was an appellate lawyer. So my, my practice focused on, on, uh, issues uh, at the uh, appellate level, which is, you know, obviously uh, taking an issue uh, th that's already been decided in the trial court and, and really tends to focus on the legal questions. And, and uh, you know, a lot of the, the issues are uh, decided in the court of the courts of appeals. Uh, a very small number get to the Supreme Court, as you know, maybe 75 or 80 nowadays. I think that's yeah. what it was at least a few years ago. And, you know, I think the Supreme Court is a great court for many reasons, but one, there's a real focus on all of the cases. I mean, you can't really compare the docket of the Supreme Court, which they get to pick and is very, uh, you know, very small to the one, to the docket of the Court of Appeals. When I was arguing a case in the Court of Appeals, uh, you know, they're, typically they're hearing, you know, seven or eight other cases in that same session, the same day. Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas in the Supreme Court, typically it's one or two cases, uh, you know, and an argument day. And, 
you know, sometimes more uh, depending on the day, but, but uh, you know, never more than four in a day. That's the, that's the maximum uh, in the Supreme Court. I think that's even rare. So that means mm-hmm. the justices are much more focused on, on a question. It's kind of like everybody has brought their best arguments forward, and, and that's nice. And in the Supreme Court, the, the justices can kind of, I think it makes sense for them to think about a lot of these legal issues from first principles. So what is the right or wrong answer? Whereas in the Court of Appeals, you know, they're typically, uh, you know, they're constrained by the Supreme Court. They don't get the luxury really of thinking what's the right answer. They're, they're basically saying what is the law as established by the Supreme Court? I mean, at least in those areas, which is, you know, most of the areas, there's, you know, if not, uh, you know, direct guidance, you know, some, some guidance from the Supreme Court, and it's a question of applying that. I like the idea that in the Supreme Court, you're still guided by precedent, but I think the justices have more freedom to kind of think about whether or not these precedents make sense. And, and you know, even if they follow them, they might want to, you know, narrow them here or recharacterize them. And, you know, I think there is an, an attempt to, you know, take it to the next level in terms of analysis. And I really enjoyed yeah. that uh, as a lawyer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what was the most fun thing about being ambassador to Mexico? Oh, boy. Uh, it was, a, let me just say, it was a wonderful job. It was the best year and a half of my life. Uh, and, um, you know, it was such a privilege, really, to represent the United States in a country where the United States looms very large, historically, economically, culturally, socially, uh, you know, the, the, there are a few people in Mexico who don't have some kind of ties to the United States. And, um, you know, it was, it was, I think the most fun was just getting to meet and talk to a broad range of different people. I mean, kind of just following up on your previous question, you know, as an appellate lawyer, it's a pretty academic job. I used to get in yeah. the office in the morning and I would go in my office and, you know, boot up my computer and, and shut the door. And basically I would just sit there at my desk reading and writing most of the day. I mean, sometimes people would pop in or out, but, you know, it was a pretty uh, monkish existence, I would say. Whereas being an ambassador is pretty much the polar opposite. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't really write anything. I didn't have a chance to read much. It was typically, you know, bullet points or, you know, just summaries on my way to meetings. And, uh, you know, it was just working very different muscles. And for me, that was a lot of fun just to connect with with people. Again, um, I traveled a lot throughout Mexico. It's a huge country. If you were to overlay a map of Mexico and a map of the United States, the upper northwest corner would be somewhere in Montana. And the southeast corner would be down by you know, uh, Savannah, Georgia, or Charleston, mm-hmm. South Carolina, we yeah. cover that much of our country. And, you know, like our country, it has very different uh, geographical areas with just mm-hmm. very different people. Uh, you know, big divisions there between the north of the country and the south of the country. Uh, and, you know, I just like uh, traveling around the country. Uh, you know, one of the things is an ambassador, you get a lot of door to meet all kinds of interesting and and for me it was a real privilege I, I got to be very active on social media which again was kind of a surprise not something that I did as a lawyer and um, you know I wound up taking the ambassador's official account you know from somewhere like 25,000 followers when I got there to over 280,000 uh, when I left and 
you know, it was just, uh, you know, I, it was mostly pretty light stuff. I mean, I think the stuff that I saw tended to resonate with people was more kind of, uh, you know, expressing my appreciation for uh, of different aspects of Mexican culture. Mm-hmm. People really enjoyed that. I think people like uh, having, you know, kind of seeing their country through a foreigner's eyes. And, um, you know, I, I just got a big kick out of, out of those relationships that I formed in Mexico. I think I formed some of the, you know, so, some friendships that will, I'll keep for, for life. So I'd say, you know, meeting all those people was definitely the, the, the most fun thing that I did on the job. That's awesome. Um, what was your biggest challenge on the job, would you say? I'd say my biggest challenge was security cooperation between our two countries, yeah. uh, you know, particularly on the counter-narcotics front. Absolutely. That's very difficult. You know, we've been working together for decades now to try to limit the flow of illegal drugs into the United States. The problem has gotten a lot worse in recent years as opioids and, and fentanyl have been pouring across the border. And, you know, that, that, that was just a big challenge. And I felt we were usually talking past each other. And, you know, one of the challenges is that, that both Mexico and the United States uh, have big bureaucracies. They're both federal republics. So you have federal authorities, you have state and local authorities to coordinate. Um, you, you know, you have different, uh, different entities within the federal governments with different agendas. And, you know, I, I, we had some pretty uh, tough circumstances when I was there. I mean, the, 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 uh, the, the, the Mexican uh, police or, the, or military tried to capture one of El Chapo's sons early during my tenure there and, and wound up releasing him because the drug cartels basically outgunned the Mexican police. It was a very dramatic uh, situation. Um, then, you know, the, the drug cartels murdered uh, an American family um, uh, nine people, including I think five or six children. Um, you know, so some very difficult times. Uh, and I wish that I uh, had been able to uh, accomplish more uh, concrete on that front. I mean, that that was the front that the, the front that I always thought was the most challenging and uh, just a sort of constant frustration to me. And most different elements of bureaucracy in Mexico and in the United States, uh, but it's an issue that I really am very passionate about, and I hope to yeah. keep up with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. On a on a little bit of a lighter note, um, in all of your extensive travels, what are your top three favorite places to visit? Well, let me let me just limit that to Mexico for ease of reference, because actually, I do think that not enough Americans really know Mexico. And I think, and I say the same thing in Mexico of the United States. I think our countries, even though, you know, we're neighbors uh, with, with so much to link us historically and, and in terms of personal ties, we don't know each other's countries very well. I mean, I think when Americans go to Mexico or think of Mexico, they often think of, you know, maybe Cancun or Puerto Vallarta or Tijuana. Um, but, you know, that, that, that's not the real Mexico. So I really encourage Americans to, to think about, uh, you know, traveling to Mexico uh, and experiencing some different sides of the country. Um, one of the things that I really loved was experiencing the tradition of the Day of the Dead there, which is right before Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
you know, they, you've probably seen the sugar skulls they do. I mean, they, they have a yep. belief. Yep. It, it, it isn't just a promotional or marketing tool. I mean, it yeah, really yeah. is a, a something that you see in their culture that, that, you know, the dead will come back uh, and, and you, you, you put up an altar for your dead and your family, which is a, a tradition that we took up there. And it's, it's a lovely tradition. And, you know, there's parts of Mexico where, um, you know, you go to the cemetery where people spend all night at the cemetery that evening with their loved ones, you know, praying and, and really uh, visiting with their loved ones. Uh, you know, that's a, to me, those kind of cultural tourism experiences are the most interesting. And, you know, in Mexico City, I don't know if you've ever seen the James Bond movie, uh, yeah. Spectre, but the mm-hmm. opening scene is shot in Mexico City at this yep. kind of Day of the Dead parade which actually did not exist before the movie. But they, they did this parade for the movie, and then they said, hey, this is actually a great idea. And so <laughs> they, they uh, created the parade in real life then, uh, after the movie, and they invited me uh, to the parade um, in, in 2019. And it was just an incredible experience for me. I mean, all of the big floats and the, you know, the skeletons. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. I was right there in the main plaza of Mexico City, and I just had to pinch myself sometimes and says and say like, "Wow, I mean, this you know, you're you're really here in in um, you know in the heart of Mexico City, watching this parade." Um, you know that that kind of just kind of a second thing. I really I just think Mexico City is 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 a place that most Americans uh, don't know, but but is a great tourist destination. It's very close. It's maybe like four hours from Washington, wow. let's say, on a stop flight. And, um, you know, Mexico used to extend all the way from what's now Costa Rica, all the way up to Oregon. Uh, uh-huh. it, was, it was the Spanish vice royalty of New Spain. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the, the capital city, Mexico City, was founded on the old Aztec capital of Tenochtitlan, which was, you know, city on a lake. And, and Mexico City is just, it has an incredible... A physical location. The, the climate is perfect. It's it's always mm. a spring-like weather. It never gets very hot. In fact, it gets quite cool in the evenings. Uh, you have to wear, you know, uh, have a heater or wear a sweater at night uh, mm. for a lot of the year. Um, and they're just great parks, restaurants, museums. Uh, it's the largest city in North America, and I think it's uh-huh. something that, that more Americans should should uh, you know uh, experience it. And then I just like to, to say that I always, in my family, we always enjoyed going to the markets in Mexico. I mean, you know, here in the United States, we kind of think all our food comes from the supermarket. It's all in plastic wrapping. And, yeah. you know, in Mexico, you get to go to, um, you know, where there's fresh uh, food. It's kind of like a huge, there are huge farmer's markets. And, and you know, they, 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 it's always uh, goes with the season. So you see all kinds of exotic fruits and vegetables, which are super fresh and, and delicious. Um, and uh, our favorite was the Mercado de Jamaica or the Jamaica market in, um, in Mexico City. Uh, Jamaica means hibiscus. And that's the flower that they use down there to uh, make a, a drink or a tea. And, um, but but that, that also... Uh, they sell fruits and vegetables there, but they also sell flowers. And so, you know, my wife used to go and, and buy, you know, uh, bunches of birds of or other flowers and incredibly inexpensive. Uh, maybe you get, you know, two dozen long stalks of bird of paradise for, 
you know, um, a handful of dollars, maybe three to five dollars. Wow. Wow. Uh, and so, you know, you can just, you know, here I think fresh flowers are such a luxury, whereas there yeah. they're such a staple. And, and, you know, it's things like that that are just are kind of fun. They, they also sell pinatas at that market. So we, we had huge pinatas uh, at home. <laughs> kind of funny we, we we put a pinata on top of the ambassador's official limousine and drove it across <laughs> to come back from the market that's to awesome and uh you know i mean we we tried to take advantage of the the opportunities to really you know get into the culture and and uh you know enjoy things that were different than what we have here at home I mean, there certainly are things there are modern malls in mexico city and and you know, supermarkets and all that but for us, you know, we, we have that here. We tried to take advantage and explore the things that were a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, was, it was really a great experience. And I certainly encourage you or your uh, listeners to this podcast to think about Mexico and, and you know, try to go beyond the stereotypes and, and think of it as, a, uh, as kind of an, an interesting destination that's, that's you know, very close, but in a lot of ways, very foreign and exotic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely on my uh, list of places to go. I, I have a lot of friends there and I'd love to love to go visit them. Um, well, thank you so much for your time, Ambassador Orlando. This has just been great. I really, really appreciate you, you taking the time. Jack, it's my pleasure. It's, uh, it's nice to see you all grown up and, and you're very professional. I enjoyed the interview and, uh, you know, uh, I wish you continued uh, good luck in college. Take care. Thank you very much. Take yeah. care. Yeah. Bye now. Bye.